Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, May 15th, 2022. Welcome to The Way Radio Live, The Way R122 Ministry Live. Uh, today's message is entitled The Narrow Way. It's based on Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. And this is one of those topics that I've preached on quite a few times. And it's one of those that I just like to continue uh, to go back to because it is such uh, just an important lesson in Christian living and a reminder of uh, how we are to strive to live as Christians and that we truly are, as believers, walking on a very narrow path through this world as we walk with Christ and seek to be conformed to his image. So let's pray and we will get into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we're able to uh, gather each Sunday at a distance to learn of you, to hear from your word, uh, and to uh, spend fellowship uh, with people that are far away and in different parts of the world. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless this message today, that it would be uh, comforting to those that hear it, that it would provide strength and edification for believers, for those that don't know you, that it may help to open their eyes to the truth of the gospel, that they may be uh, would turn to you in repentance and trust in you, have faith in you for salvation. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the narrow way, Matthew 7, 13, and 14. And this is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's one of my, the Sermon on the Mount is one of my favorite portions of scripture. Uh, it sounds far-fetched, but if you consider all that Jesus teaches and commands in the Sermon on the Mount, and imagine that being carried out through all of humanity, you may begin to see that all of the world's problems could be solved through what Jesus teaches in this one amazing and profound sermon. Uh, a quote from Charles Spurgeon that I came across this morning uh, very much makes the same kind of point. He said, in the cross, there is a cure for every spiritual disease. There is food for every spiritual virtue in the Savior. We never go to him too often. We cannot spend too much time with Christ at the foot of the cross, striving to live according to his commands, the way he teaches us, especially with what he laid down in the Sermon on the Mount. It is uh, truly the most powerful, profound, and beautiful sermon ever preached. Uh, so if we look at Matthew 7, 13, and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now when it comes right down to it, there are two classes of people in the world, the saved and the unsaved. There are two ways in the world, the narrow way of Jesus Christ and eternal salvation in him and the wide highway to hell. It's that simple. It's very clear and easy to see that if you understand what salvation in Jesus Christ truly is. Let's look at verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. Enter, enter by the narrow gate. This is totally of the Spirit. 
Christ must be in our heart by faith before he can be in our life by holiness. Discernment in the way we live and interact with others narrows our focus, our choices, and our actions. The longer we walk with Christ, the narrower the path becomes. The longer we walk with Christ, fewer will walk along with us. The world affects how we interact with others. We simply do not have the same choices and options as those who are of the world. We are strangers and aliens making our journey home as we spend time in this world. Because we are in Christ, we are in truth. And in truth, we strive to walk on a very narrow path of righteousness that can only be seen and followed by God's grace. Isaiah 42, 7 says, To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And Acts 26, 18 says, To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Those in Christ are guided by the light of truth, which we hold everything up to and measure everything against. We can travel a path free of worldly evil, confusion, influence, and foolish choices if we look to Christ and walk with his cross and his word always before us. The Christian life is a journey of humble obedience, a striving after holiness, being conformed to the image of Christ, all wrapped in a spirit of joy and peace. Discernment in what we believe and what we either accept or reject narrows our focus, guides our choices, and inspires our actions. We are to test the spirits. In John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is so vitally important for the times in which we live. We are surrounded in the modern church by false teachings and lies. We are clearly surrounded by lies and false teachings in the world in general. So we need to live with discernment and we need to test the spirits to see if they are from God. This is why understanding the message of the gospel is so important. So many people will spend years studying what a false religion teaches and still be unable to combat that false teaching when confronted with it because they may not have a firm grasp on the simple doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you really don't have to spend too much time studying what false religions teach because you will be able to ask the right questions based on the gospel message to find out if somebody is truly a believer or not. I had a Jehovah's Witness come to my door a while back, and rather than beginning to attack what he believed, I just asked him, how on Judgment Day will you be justified before God? How are you reconciled before God for the sins that you've committed in the flesh? And that one question opened up the door to expose the errors that he was trapped in. He was relying on his own works. He was relying on false teachings. But I didn't have to know a whole lot about what his uh, religion believed because he exposed it himself in answering that question. So it's one of the greatest things I think we can learn if we really want to witness to others is understand the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
And you will know when things are contradictory to it. And you will be able to ask the right questions and to help people to see the truth. The wide gate to destruction is one of enticement, amusement, ease, worldly prosperity, and is all-inclusive. It's open to all without anything needed to be given up or repented of. And the reason I say that it's open to all without anything needing to be given up or repented of is because what does Christ tell us? He says, count the cost. If you're going to place your faith and trust in me, if you're going to walk with me, you had better count the cost before you embark on this journey because there will be cost involved. But a false teaching really comes at no cost. It's presented as all benefit. You're just going to get this and get this. You're going to have health, wealth, prosperity. All you can do is gain from it. And all we truly do is gain in Christ. But there is a cost involved because we will suffer in certain relationships. We will be called on to do things that are, that are uh, sacrificial to us. So we have to be willing to accept that cost. But again, a false teaching is open to all. The, the, gate, the wide gate to destruction is open to all without anything needing to be given up or repented of. The lusts and desires and passions of this world are welcomed through this gate without question or running the risk of insult. The wide gate is easy to find because there is always a mass of ignorant humanity fighting to get through it. Look at what we witnessed through the whole COVID hoax. The vast majority just following along mindlessly with everything the mainstream media was telling them without questioning it. Even as the economy was being, you know, they were striving every, in every way they could to destroy the economy. People walking around with masks on for no reason. Staying locked in their homes. Starvation rates increasing. People just followed along ignorantly believing what they were told. But there were those few who said, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This isn't right. Who spoke up. And tried to shine the light of truth. That's a, It's just a perfect example of what walking on the narrow path is. It will always be a small number. Mark 1.15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent is to turn around from the direction in which you are going. It is a complete change of the way we think and feel and act and live. Repent, to turn around from the direction we were following. Turn onto the narrow path as the crowd continues down the wide and easy way. True repentance is a direct contradiction to the world. Verse 14 says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. One of the many verses that is ignored by most of the contemporary church. In this verse, once again, we see the razor's edge of Christianity. The clear distinction that there are only two ways in this life, right and wrong, good and evil, Christ or the world, the narrow gate to heaven or the wide highway to hell. Everyone is on one side of the line or the other. There is no middle ground in truth. Every false teaching tries to paint a gray area where there is none. And here's another paradox that we run across in Christianity. The way is hard, but it is a way of joy and blessing. How many miraculous blessings are missed due to a lack of discernment regarding the narrow gate and a lack of faith when pressured to move off of the narrow path? 
Look at all the great characters in the Bible and you will see a common trait of sticking faithfully to the narrow way against tremendous temptation and pressure to do otherwise. Proverbs 44, uh, 25 and 20 through 27 says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Consider these illustrations of lives lived on the narrow way of truth and righteousness. John Bunyan was imprisoned for 12 years in the 1600s for preaching without the permission of the church. And during that 12 years, writes one of the greatest Christian books of all times, The Pilgrim's Progress, which is basically just an analogous representation of what it is to live on the narrow path. He was in prison for 12 years by the church because he would not agree to preach in the way that they prescribed. He was against the modern church of his time. Part of what he wrote in the Pilgrim's Progress, a quote from that says, look before you. Do you see the narrow way? That is the way you must go. It was laid out by the patriarchs, prophets, Christ and his apostles. It is as straight as a ruler can make it. But are there no turnings and workings by which a stranger might lose his way? There are many ways that are crooked and wide, but only the right way is straight and narrow. The Pilgrim's Progress, pages 17 and 18, at least from the copy that I have. Consider Elijah on the narrow path alone. In 1 Kings 19 and 14, it says, Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away. Consider Stephen in Acts 6 and 7. And then again in Acts 7, 51 through 53. You men who are stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. What happened to Stephen as a consequence of his following the narrow way of Christ, defending the truth of the gospel and exposing the errors of the religious leaders? He was stoned to death. And he was accepted into the arms of Christ in glory. Consider Jesus's ministry and steady journey to Jerusalem. Said Jesus always had his face set to Jerusalem. He knew he was going to the cross through his entire ministry. Luke 22, 42 through 43 says, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Much of what we will be called to do will probably be uncomfortable, but we have to remember what Christ suffered through in Gethsemane, the agony that he suffered and, and experienced, knowing what he was going to be going through on the cross. We must be willing to forsake all for Christ, and he will carry us through whatever we are faced with. Psalm 94, 16 through 18 says, Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. Those who find it are few. 
Matthew twenty two fourteen says, For many are called, but few are chosen. A disciple of Christ should never place an emphasis on large numbers. It flies in the face of the nature of the gospel. The longer we walk the way of Jesus Christ, the thinner the crowd becomes, until only a small remnant or even no one seems to be left walking with us. But we are never alone. Folks, I, I, the more I look at what goes on in the modern church, the more I love the idea of a church being a small group of believers gathered around a table, sitting in a living room, sitting in a circle at a park, and contemplating, meditating on, and sharing the word of God with one another as they hear a message from a knowledgeable brother in Christ. We have got to get back to that simple, passionate, beautiful Christianity and forsake this obsession with huge numbers, popularity, fame, and fortune, and prosperity, and everything that has been corrupting the church for too long. Again, the longer we walk the way of Jesus Christ, the thinner the crowd becomes, until only a small remnant or even no one seems to be left walking with us. But we are never alone. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Contemporary churches are packed with artificial Christians on a very wide, worldly, and easy road to destruction who are so misled that they have no idea what or where the narrow gate even is. Now notice the very next verse. I'm going to read again verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now notice the very next verse, verse after the analogy of the narrow gate of verse 14. Matthew 7:15 says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Isn't it interesting that after being told that we are to stay on the narrow path, the narrow way, have nothing to do with the wide path of destruction. The very next verse is beware of false prophets because they are the ones that will try to fool those in the church to wander off into the wide road of destruction. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Charles Spurgeon said, were Jesus here today, he would not be the soft-shelled creature some people want us to be. He had a backbone and a conscience and a heavy right hand, and he brought that hand down like a sledgehammer on hypocrisy and error. And if we would be like Christ, we must be bold and outspoken. Amen. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform any miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Is that not a picture of the modern church? Again, I just always have to come back to that. It's just a picture of it. Something I've always, I guess you could say I've been proud of is, is our principles 
in our statement of faith. If you go to the way r122.org, you can read our statement of faith and our financial principles. But the way r122 ministry financial principle number five says, we will not measure the success of this ministry by the amount of money given or number of people we help. Rather, we will judge our usefulness to the kingdom by our faithfulness to the scriptures in doctrine and practice. That has probably been the, one of the most effective guides in this ministry since it began, what, 10 years ago, I guess now. We have never, this ministry has never been financially secure. It's always been run on a shoestring budget. But in everything I've done leading this ministry, I can say that we have done everything I can to remain, that we can to remain faithful to the scriptures in doctrine and practice. If you look at everything that, that I've preached when I have gone to Kenya, it has been based on the message of the gospel, the precepts and the doctrines and the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, the foundation that our faith is built on. Everything is based on that. And again, the more support we have, the more we can do in that. But even if somebody were to donate a million dollars to this ministry, it would have nothing to do with the measure of our success. It would just enable us to take that gospel message to more. It would open up more doors for the gospel message to be proclaimed. The narrow gate to eternal life in the kingdom of God is only passed through by grace. The things required of us as Christians, we cannot do by our own power. It's only by God's grace that we can do these things. John 3, 3 through 5 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Our passing through the narrow gate is a divine act of grace. And I'll close with Psalm 121, 7 through 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That is a promise from the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message today. I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to write it and to preach it. And Lord, I ask that you would pierce hearts with it, that you would strengthen believers, that you would uh, shine the light of the truth into the darkness of those that don't know you, and that you would enable us with a supernatural strength and ability to stay on the narrow path and to be effective in our walk with you. Please open doors for the gospel in the week ahead. Uh, and may your name be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, along the lines of what I was talking about uh, with that financial principle, uh, I've been struggling with a while for a while. I've had people asking me for probably four or five years now to write some kind of recovery program, something that can take the place of the heretical stuff out there, Alcoholics Anonymous, Celebrate Recovery, all the other, you know, 12-step spinoffs. Uh, and I have tried over and over for years to write a program, and I just cannot do it because I just do not see anywhere in Scripture where a program of recovery is prescribed or recommended. 
if we have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel will reach the most wretched, lost, drunk, addict, whatever, addict. Uh, there's no need for any recovery program. But I continue to be contacted constantly by people. Uh, I just received an email uh, that I was looking at this morning from a woman uh, who who watches us online and is struggling with uh, a spouse who is an alcoholic. And the same thing that I constantly hear, uh, she knows that if she takes it to the elders, they're going to recommend that he goes to AA or some similar program for help. Folks, that's not being a church. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not being what a church is supposed to be. Uh, you do not send people elsewhere when they're dealing with a problem like that. But the modern church is clueless when it comes to dealing with those sins. So what I've, I've been praying for a long time, and I've really been struggling with what to do to help people. And finally, just uh, really in the last couple of months, uh, the Lord has just blessed me with tremendous inspiration uh, in this. And I begin write, I've begun writing what I'm just calling right now the gospel project. And it is just, it's going to be God willing if it all, if all goes well and I'm able to complete it and finish it and the Lord helps me in it. Uh, it will just be a book. So far it's 23 or 24 chapters laying out the message of the gospel in as easy to understand terms as possible and as applicable to life as possible. And I firmly believe that if we meditate on the gospel, we preach the gospel without compromise, we pray hard for those that we're trying to reach with the gospel, that the message of the gospel will do what God intends it to do. His word never returns void. Uh, and the reason I share that with you guys today is I just ask that you would pray about this project because it is a massive undertaking. Um, I've got over, I think, 400 sermons that I'm going through all the notes and organizing them to use the notes that I can to fit into each chapter. I'm doing a massive ton of research again and writing, but I have not been this inspired in a long time. Um, I'm very excited. I love working on it. I, I begin each day in Bible study and prayer. And then I dive into this project for an hour or so uh, before I, you know, get into the work that I have to take care of. And then I also try to hit it for a little bit in the evening, but it is a massive undertaking. And I just ask that you guys would lift this project up in prayer, because if it becomes what I hope it will become, it could be a tool again to help people come out of the sin of addiction and alcoholism or whatever it is, sex addiction, any addiction, any sin, because it is the gospel. It's not anything I'm going to provide that's going to help. It's just that message of the gospel that is just so lacking so much today and so much of the modern church. It's just, it's distressing to me to have, and I'm glad people contact me. I, I love that. Um, but it distresses me because it's always the same thing. They can't go to their churches for help and it just blows my mind. And hopefully this is something that maybe could help churches. So I just wanted, I wasn't even planning on sharing that with you guys today, but the Lord just sort of laid it on my heart to do so as I got towards the end of the sermon. So I asked that you would pray about this project. And if you would consider uh, supporting the ministry to help with the project, because it's going to, like I said, it's going to take a massive amount of time. Uh, it's going to be quite a bit of expense. Uh, Hopefully I can get a publisher for it. I have friends, you know, who are close with publishers. Uh, if not, 
we'll have to bear the expense of publishing it ourselves. But that's all up to the Lord and who he inspires to help us with this project. But uh, it is a big undertaking, and I would appreciate prayer and any support you can provide. So thanks for listening to that. Um, if you get a chance, please visit uh, elephantwalk.net. We're going to be adding some new products to the website in the next week or so. We've launched another store under the Elephant Walk umbrella that we'll be adding to the website. And if you decide to make a purchase there, it helps support the ministry. Just type the way, all lowercase, no spaces between the words at checkout, and you receive 10% off. You can find us on the web at the way, the letter r122.org. That's our website. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast by going to christianpodcastcommunity.org and just searching for The Way Radio in the search field. We're on Rumble at The Way R122. And again, if you could please consider supporting the ministry, you can do that by going to The Way, the letter R122.org. Um, very much hoping to uh, increase what we're sending to Kenya as far as teaching materials. I want to start being able to send Bibles. I'm getting a lot more requests for Bibles. Uh, and I was thinking about it yesterday. If this project with the book really moves forward and is fruitful and I'm able to complete it and get it published, uh, I would love to be able to use that as a teaching guide uh, when I do go to Kenya again, I think, because one of the things that I've seen in Kenya, I was talking to my sister about this yesterday, is so much confusion when it comes to basic Christian doctrine. And that's really because Kenya, from what I saw in the times that I've spent there, is uh, so much confusing because they've had so much of the charismatic movement there, the prosperity gospel, Roman Catholicism, Mormonism. Um, uh, it, it's even the pastors are, you know, confused about what the true message of the gospel is. There's only one or two that I know of that really seem to have a firm handle on it. My, my friend Patrick is probably the most knowledgeable of the gospel that I've seen there. In fact, when my son and I were in his house, uh, my son Wyatt noticed that Patrick had many of the same books that I have uh, on his bookshelf. So uh, again, just pray about that. I appreciate you guys being here every Sunday. Uh, God willing, we be, we'll be back here next Sunday, same time, same place. If you'd like to write to me with any questions or concerns or comments, I would love to hear from you. It's very inspiring uh, when you do this week in and week out. It's inspiring and uh, affirming to receive responses from people. And you can reach me by emailing chad at the way, the letter R122.org. All right. God bless you guys. We'll be back here next week. Same time, same place.